At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It is me again, Matt, uh, on the tail end of a bit of a head cold, so that might account for my uh, deeper voice than normal. Joining me this week in the Birmingham area, Sarah Kennedy. How are you, Sarah? I'm very well, thank you. No cold. Germs free, although if we keep talking about it, it's just going to happen, isn't it? Okay. (laughs) Let's not tempt fate. Okay, (laughs) touch wood. In the uh, in the Dundee area, Dawn Glenn is also here. How are you, Dawn? I have a runny nose, so you know if I sniff through this podcast, we'll just blame podcast either. <laughs> Did your leak in your roof get fixed in the end, Dawn? Because I know that was it's, sort of a an ongoing yes, saga. This week we've had the pavement outside the house has been dug up, so you know so it was all going Dundee, and obviously <laughs> the Queen was passing by my house, not quite my house, but. Yeah. <laughs> She did pass our Burger King, which obviously was a big moment for Dundee. Did, did she go through the drive-through? Oh God, it'd be good. <laughs> yes, already I've started. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. And Sarah's got a new hair colour since I last saw her on camera as well. (laughs) Oh, it's not new. It's Commonwealth Games old. My wonderful hairdresser dyed my hair blue and orange to go with the Commonwealth Games volunteer uniform. So I've been blue for a summer, but that is it. I am done with blue. It is so hard to keep. The conditioner is awful and it goes everywhere. Like my whole bathroom is now blue and it wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) That's sort of like a weird drippy tie-dye effect in the shower. It's not good and it's really hard to get rid of. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go back towards the reds again. Back to red. Yeah. This week on the podcast, four shows that have not been rescheduled, which is always good. We have new BBC drama Crossfire starring Keely Hawes. We have on Paramount Plus comedy Minx, the return of Philomena Kunk with Kunk on Earth. And we have a new Netflix true crime documentary, Sins of Our Mother. But first, we're just going to follow up on what we talked about last week. And we were talking about it a little bit off air as well. The Emmy Awards were on Monday night. Dawn watched the, was it an hour condensed version? An hour and a half, maybe, I think. Something like that, yeah. And I've watched bits of clips on YouTube and Sarah knows who's won some of the awards. (laughs) I saw some bits on the news and then I've... (laughs) 
basically looks read about it on the internet. The news was British actors Brett Goldstein and Matthew McFaddy won Emmys. Basically, was yeah. the news. Yeah, um, I think we did all right though, Sarah, in our predictions last week. I am delighted to be associated with the podcast, and I don't say that often because <laughs> my predictions are always bad because I just don't pay attention to award season. I like what I like, and I'm not really bothered about whether it's particularly popular or not. I was really, really chuffed. Really deserving people got it as well, and that made me very happy. The only one that was a slight surprise maybe was the Squid Game. Yeah, you know, the... a brilliant surprise. But we we did, I know we did speak about that, didn't we? If we were sort of forgetting about him over the, like, you know, the yeah. Brian Cox and the Adam Scotts and people like that. But, um, and Dawn, we didn't hear your predictions, but were you on a similar uh, sort of play yeah. to us? Mostly, I, the only one I was disappointed about was supporting actress in a drama. I wanted G Smith Cameron from Succession to win mm. that. And do you know, there wasn't any award where I thought, I'm going to be annoyed if that person wins, mm. especially comedy ones. I mm. like so much. They were all deserving. So, it was, but I was really glad that uh, Abbott Elementary at least got the Quinta Brunson got the uh, writing, which was fantastic. Lee Ralph, I have real trouble saying Cheryl Lee Ralph. Ralph, so you can't even. A lot of L's in there, I think, <laughs> is the issue. L's of R's. <laughs> <laughs> she won uh, for supporting actress in comedy. So. And, and the best speech as well. Definitely the best speech. I, I don't know what the song is. Something about being a limited edition or a, a perhaps it was it's something. A, it was something about being a woman, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was Sarah. It was. Keep it nice and vague, there, Matt. No detail. Yeah, and and Brett Goldstein's speech was very funny, where he said he wouldn't swear and then swore at the end. Nothing for only murders in the building. Mm-hmm. And nothing for severance either. No, I I think. It's a shame. I, I think that was sort of more predictable in terms of it was... The, an... the fact they were in super strong categories, yeah, fair enough. Mm. The fact that it got so many nominations to begin with was surprising, I think, for mm. a show that's not as massive as some of the, the other ones, like A Squid yeah. Game or Succession. Um, but Only Murders felt like like the big comedy going in you know with like the big stars and and the disney behind it but and let's uh get on to the reviews and first of all big uh, oh actually no plugs plugs let's do the plugs <laughs> dawn where are we uh in terms of uh the shipyard are we through the a to z are we on f yet yeah uh, we haven't dropped as they say is the technical term f yet but we have recorded it we're about to record H, but we're really struggling. So if we could, uh, suggestions for H are good because we can't agree on a, a ship that we have both watched. <laughs> I would say The House of Elliot is one of my favourite all-time shows, uh, but unfortunately my co-presenter has not seen that. I have not seen House because about House and Puddy was a big ship, apparently. I've got one. Okay, go for it. Heidi High. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> Ruth Maddock and, and the, the guy, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's that's you can note. Surely that's your classic ship right there, Dawn. It really is. <laughs> it's iconic. I'll definitely <laughs> I can't think of any more eight shows. That's the first one that popped into my head. That tells you where I am. Sarah, what about your scribblings? 
Uh, my scribblings are at whynow.co.uk. Um, I've got um, shows you should have been watching last month, and this week I've written a little thing about um, speculation about Netflix uh, dropping the binge format and going to one a week or similar, because the internet has been full of gossip and rumour about that. So mm. I jumped right on that bandwagon. <laughs> And um, yeah, the Cuss TV podcast you are listening to now, we have got um, a fair few episodes in our back catalogue, so you can uh, explore those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We are on the Good Pods app as well, which I've now downloaded, which will tell you when a new episode has been released, which is always useful. As Luke said last week, if you'd like to uh, be a part of the podcast or the website, please get in touch uh, with myself on Twitter at Matt's TV Bites or Luke at Luke Custer TV. We're always keen for new voices and new fingers. <laughs> is this a point where we were supposed to read our prepared statement about what a joy it is to have? <laughs> this just in for your entertainment. Get the latest TV news direct from thecustardtv.com. My God, you are pure television. Guaranteed. Crossfire is our first show of the week. This is a new three-part drama airing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on BBC One. It stars Keely Hawes and Dawn is going to run us through the basic plot. It's a bit Channel 5 when I say there are three couples who are friends who decide to go on holiday to the Canary Islands. The main character being Keely Hawes. She's Jo, who is an ex-policewoman, and she's married to a chocolate teapot of a husband, Jason. She has... social work is a bad name, I would like to say as well. Yes, she is the worst social worker who has ever been depicted on film. <laughs> the... Uh... There are two other couples, Ben and Miriam, uh, played by uh, Daniel Ryan, who's um, a staple of many dramas, uh, and Josette Simon. Miriam is handily a GP and uh, Ben is a nurse. And uh, the other couple is Abby and Chinar. We see very early on that Keely Hawes' character, Joe, is having an affair with someone via text on her phone. And very quickly we get into the drama of it which is on their first or first morning there two gunmen uh, open fire out the pool in their resort everyone scatters everyone's in different places joe and jason have three children uh joe's teenage daughter from her previous marriage and a son and a daughter and chanar and abby sons and they're all at the pool and all everyone gets separated and the action then becomes largely about uh, Keely Hawes, who goes into policewoman mode. She runs into Matteo, who's the uh, security guy of the hotel, and together they get guns and are going to go and try and help people um, and track down or avoid the gunmen. It's not entirely clear. Over the three episodes, we see this siege that these these two gunmen are not just shooting and leaving they're they've got keys for every door they're going room to room and just shooting people randomly josette simon's character miriam she ends up 
in the kitchens with a, a very badly injured um, waitress. And there is a, a waiter there who's acting very oddly. And Matteo's wife, who's the manager of the, of the resort. And we get flashbacks before they, they arrived at the resort and to New Year before uh, where they planned the trip and to establish the relationship between all the couples. By the end of the first episode, we know who Joe is having an affair with. I won't say who it is. And there are deaths. It does get going very quickly. However, it's a bit of a mishmash. The third episode, 15 minutes into the third episode, we're back in England and 45 minutes are on the aftermath. There's a lot about her ex, uh, Joe's ex-husband and her why she is no longer a policewoman. And all three, I would just like to say that all three of the husbands in this are terrible, terrible examples of male Maleness. In different ways as well, I would say. Yeah, this is this is a very feminist week we have on the on the podcast. A lot of the shows are very feminist, and this one really illustrates. Wow, men are. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going to slump further <laughs> and further downwards. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of it, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I thought. I mean, you alluded to it there, Dawn. The holiday, which me and you watched yes. earlier in the year, the Channel Five, and actually. No return, Sarah. You were on for yeah. that. The, the so Sheridan this, Smith one. I'm the, half expecting Sheridan Smith to turn up in this in a minute because they're all having a horrible holiday together, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, this seems to be the theme of this year's dramas because last year it was people falling down the stairs. This year it's it's people having a rubbish time on holiday, <laughs> <laughs> which is really not what we want for the tourist industry in 2022 when when they're trying to encourage people to go back out. I mean. No Return was more uh, like a, an arrest, wasn't it, of the sun? But this is, this felt very real because I was it somewhere in Tunisia a few years ago, I believe there was something similar. Like yeah, a, and there was something um, maybe further ago, longer ago than that in Sharm El Sheikh as well. Right. Yeah. So it was sort of more the sort of Middle Eastern and African countries. Yeah. It's basically a, an act of terror, isn't it? Whether it's politically motivated or not, that's that's mm. what they're doing. They, you know frightening the shit out of tourists and killing people i mean they filmed this on tenerife but because they mentioned it's an island didn't they and that's why yeah. it's taking the police longer to get there they need to get there in helicopters so that's is why we've got vigilante keely halls with a massive sort of shotgun right? <laughs> um but yeah no i i think in in the positives the action started really quickly i mean we did get the opening scene is her why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion deciding which shoes to put on before she goes into action and um, flashing sort of forward and backwards. Um, I, I found myself watching it more than I was making notes, which is a good sign. You know, it's involved in the action. I think the the weakness is the, the domestic drama side of it and the who's having an affair with who. Some of the characters are very thinly drawn. Daniel Ryan and Josette Simon characters, for example, you don't 
really understand why they're friends with these other them as a couple just seem like people who'd like a quiet life and why are they involved with this, this like dysfunctional group of people you know they don't really explain their relationships apart from that Lee Ingleby and the other guy were have known each other since they were 11 I don't did you get anything like they, they, they were friends from school I don't know if that means that Ben the Daniel Ryan character was with because well, mm. he's a lot older as well, Daniel Ryan. Not to, because I remember um, he and Lee Ingleby played brothers. I think it was in Innocence on ITV several years ago. So, because at least the one thing about the holiday that was that we know they went to uni together. Yeah. The, but yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was sort of an edge of your seat thing. You you were sort of invested in who is going to get killed. As you say, there's like the people who were fleeing away into the hills. You've got the people who are almost like sitting ducks in the kitchen with the one member of staff eyeing up the knives who <laughs> you, you would expect is in on it. It's nice to see. I think Keely Hawes looks like she's having a lot of fun running around with a gun. So that's nice to see. And I think having this on three nights in a row makes sense. But I don't think it's something that's particularly going to make a dent in, say, like a best of the year list. It's a it's one of those airport thrillers. And actually, you mentioned Louise Doughty, the writer. She is primarily a novelist. So that makes sense that they brought her on to to, to create this. What about you, Sarah? It, it passes the time. I was really happy to see Lee Inglesby's name on the credits because I like him. But he, ha- he has been given an absolute nasty toss pot to play hasn't he I mean I'm very nosy but I thought that while you're panicking about where your children and your wife are in a hotel in a massive complex filled with gunmen they they say it's a whole gang I think and they've got like big guns they've got handguns they've got all sorts of things they're all tooled up you're terrified for your life your wife has given you the passcode to her phone so that you've got a communication device and you can get away and leave the hotel. Of course, you're going to spend five minutes in the bathroom going through her saucy texts to see whether she is having an affair or not. You jealous creep. Unfortunately, yes, of course she is. <laughs> but, but my point still stands. <laughs> the flashbacks were confusing. Because I thought, oh, this is clever. They're they're restricting themselves to just what happened on the holiday and they're moving around in that time. Brilliant. And then they flash back to New Year's Eve 2019 and you're like, come on now, guys. Also, when is this holiday supposed to happen with COVID and stuff? I'm just intrigued. You know, is this one of these holidays that has been put off for like three or four times and they've finally gone on holiday this year? I was thinking either that or this was meant to come out a lot earlier, but we couldn't film in Tenerife because of COVID restrictions. <laughs> Something like that, you know, because it is, as you say, it's New Year 2019 and they I say, let's plan a holiday. And, I and... think the gunmen are actually, because I've only seen the first episode, I think they're actually quite intriguing because I sort of about, I don't know, 45 minutes of the way through, I'm like, why are the gunmen still there? Because it looks like it's supposed to be like a mass shooting, a random terror attack, just picking people off. Like you say, they stay and then Dawn says that they've got room keys and they're going, it's almost like they're looking for someone. So is it targeted or is it random? And that is actually the thing that is intriguing to me. Sadly, not not the family dramas or, you know, who's going to die. Don't get your hopes up about that aspect of the storyline. 
Oh, well. Because I watched a little bit of the second episode and I thought they were sort of showing you some backstory between some of the, the gunmen and... But no, they don't really. That's the limit of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> we do find out the motivation, but it's not, to me, it's not enough. It's a very vague, very generalised, oh, yeah, they're unhappy. And that's about it. And we don't really get further in. We spend quite a lot of time with one of the gunmen, but we don't spend time with them out with of the, the resort, this time frame. It's just the fact that he's, he doesn't seem entirely prepared for what he's doing kind of thing. But, uh, um, the young lad who we see yeah. in the first episode. Hmm. I, actually, I actually thought that was a, a woman. And I thought, yeah. oh, this is really interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> just a teenage boy, never mind. <laughs> Honestly, though, you laughed earlier, but that thing about trainers in an emergency is bang on. Yeah. I felt very sorry for the people running away from the pool in flip-flops because you are not getting far very fast. If there's something scary happening or something potentially dangerous, put your trainers or your Duck Martins on, babes. Well, that's police training for you, you see. That's what she had. I'm sure they covered more than just what she used to wear, but, you know, it's good stuff. <laughs> Um, I meant more sort of what to do in a crisis, sort of quick thinking than just sort of. Footwear, I know. You know? <laughs> what I would say as well, actually, I thought it was really well directed, and you got a sense of the scope of this building and all the little nooks and crannies and all the winding staircases from the outside. And I thought they made a really good use of the space as well. Is something I would say. Dawn, what what were your thoughts? Did you you watched all of them? Yeah. yeah. From what you're I, saying, yeah. Like you said, I really enjoyed the action side of it. I could have done with a lot more of action Healy Hawes. I, I thought that was really good. I don't know if you remember Dead Set by uh, Charlie Brooker, the zombie mm. thing. Yeah. I loved that until a moment when everybody just seemed to lose their brains and act incredibly stupid. And I feel like that's a bit what ha- what's going on in this, is that Healy Hawes is the only one who is acting in any way intelligently. And everybody else, and the, uh, the doctor, uh, Miriam, Everybody else, you just think, oh, you're also insane. What are you doing? And maybe that's deliberate. Maybe that's hmm. writing to show that people are useless. <laughs> I mean, to be to be fair, Dan Ryan did try his best. I want to help this person. Oh no, the kids have disappeared. <laughs> yeah, like, two children. You just go ahead <laughs> on your own. Oh, there's a gunman about. I thought that was um, yeah. Obviously, then he can't find the children. Tells a piece. I would have liked more with the children. I think you know the the boys who are they're not brothers. The the, the son of Keely Hawes' son and the the other two boys. And I would I thought that was nice. That, that, that was the only bit I felt really moved was seeing the kids helping each other. And and I would have liked more of that. And as you see, less of the adult marital dramas and a lot of good ideas and not mm. all worked. If you know what I mean enjoyable enough and i think it yeah. will be one of those as i say you know like the page turner holiday novel type yeah. um but I, I think what you're saying door maybe is it's a bit of a waste of the amount of talent that's in that cast yeah. it is a little bit of a waste yeah as i said tuesday wednesday thursday nights on bbc one we are turning now to netflix uh one of their um true crime documentaries that they seem to pump out this is Sins of Our Mother. Um, I'm going to set this one up. Please correct me if I get anything wrong, because there was a lot of information to take in in 45 minutes in this. Uh, so this is about Laurie Vello. I believe there is still an ongoing case in in this, um, but she's it basically implicated in the disappearance and eventual death 
of her two children, Tylee, who was 16 years old at the start of the documentary, and six-and-a-half-year-old JJ. This opening episode tells the complex story of Laurie's life, primarily through interviews with friends and family, specifically her eldest son, Colby. He was the product of her second marriage. In total, she'd been married five times. Colby basically talks about his early life, feeling that he always wanted to be part of a family. This happened when Laurie married Joe Ryan, who is Tylee's father. But then Joe started to become abusive towards Colby, both physically and sexually. Uh, Laurie eventually left the family home with the two children and uh, remarried Charles Vallow. Uh, they ultimately adopted, I think it was his, was it his great nephew, JJ, who they adopted. Again, very complex family trees on all of these Throughout, we learn that Laurie and her family are members of the Church of Latter-day Saints or the Mormons, uh, which we talked about quite a great deal when we were reviewing Under the Banner of Heaven a few weeks ago. She sort of becomes more indoctrinated into the religion once she marries Charles. There's a lot more sort of iconography around their home. She, through a podcast, <laughs> meets uh, Chad Daybell, who is this sort of... He's presented as this sort of doomsday prophet preacher, completely off his rocker type guy who believes the apocalypse is coming and humans can be graded from light to dark. Charles starts to become worried about Laurie's state of mind when she sort of spends more and more time with Chad. Is she saying she's inhabited by someone or... Like she makes up this profit at one point, doesn't she? Yeah. I don't I don't think she's inhabited, but other people are. She feels like someone maybe yeah. I mean she's she just basically deteriorates mentally. He applies for her to be a, have an evaluation. Uh she orchestrates the theft of his car and belongings and tries to take the children away. This is with the help of her brother Alex, who is a, a wannabe stand-up comedian and is also slightly unhinged. So at the end of the first episode, Charles tries to enlist the, enlist the police to help him. The police are completely useless, as we see in a, when they're interviewing Laurie, and it ends with a call by uh, Laurie's brother Alex to the police to say that he has shot Charles, that he claims it was in self-defence. How did I get on? Very <laughs> good. <laughs> Um, now, um, guys, are you fans of the uh, the Netflix true crime documentaries? I absolutely was, but back in the day, way back in the day, making, making them... a murderer. Exactly. But I really feel like they've kind of done it all and they've tried so hard to find stories that are shocking that I feel um, resistant to. I don't think I, I'm, I don't think I can be shocked anymore. Don't fuck with cats. That was the other one. Mm. Again, I'm just like loot like that I just, one. I just, I just think it's been done, and isn't that awful to be so jaded about stuff that is real life? I mean, it went to a point where they, the stuff like the larger than life stuff, like Tiger King, for example. I think they were trying to, do, and we watched Bad Vegan earlier in the year, which was another one, which was like, can you believe this happened? You know, this mm-hmm. woman who ran a vegan restaurant, and then she went, and again, like this, it's. Oh, she, she was all right, and then she met this man, and he, he corrupted her. And what, uh, uh, Dawn? Are you? Uh, is this your bag or no? I don't really watch a lot of true crime stuff. Life is bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not one of those people who's fascinated by real life, you know, murderers or, mm. or wackos, as you know, we might <laughs> go to the American. Group. So what what did you make to this one? Do we... I, um, I think the problem with this is they have rushed to make this, as you said, before um, a conviction has happened, which makes it a little bit difficult because there's a lot they can't see because the, there's still a, a live uh, court case to happen. And that means there's not very much analysis. There's a lot of voices we don't hear in this. We we get all of um, Laurie's family. A lot of it is from her son Cody's point of view. But her husband, Charles, has sons. We don't hear from them. And Chad Daybell has five children. We hear absolutely nothing about them. Um, so there are so many people involved in this story that we don't hear anything from their, from their side. Of, not that there's a side to this story, because this, not, this isn't a both sides issue. Perspectives, but, I suppose, is the word. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. I do think it is very much... Uh, I mean, I did find it all shocking. I did repeatedly go, oh, my God, out loud at each turn of events. Um, and I did watch the whole thing because I did want to know what uh, unfolded. I think there could have been some really good points in it about how people become involved in cults and also how people use religion and cults to excuse the things they want to do. I think that's an interesting aspect of it, that you know that you can believe everything is real if it's what you want to be real, you know? And I think with um, Chad. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We could have found more out. I see that he writes books. I'm assuming there were novels, but you write, he's written a lot of books. That's how she gets to know him. And I would have liked to have known more about how he came to be the way he is. I, th- I think it's good in it. It tells the story quite clearly, but I think had they not rushed it out, to, I, I don't know if that's because they thought somebody else might cover it, um, and instead waited until convictions happened, and then we could have had a much more thoughtful piece. But I guess it's not about thoughtful, is it? It's about shopping. I am going to have to step in here and disagree with Dawn on almost every single point. Oh, <laughs> Apart from your final point where there was no rush, do do it better. And we yeah. can definitely agree on that one. Honestly, I thought the story needed to be pared down because I'm writing notes and I only managed episode one and I could not bear to watch any more because I am so confused. 
by the time I realised that Charles was Laurie's fourth husband and they'd already detailed all the other marriages and all the other children and everyone else that they'd ever met, it felt like, I was done. I could not be bothered. There were too many people and the characters were too difficult to sort of like place together. Like you say, we actually do need to write proper family trees mm. on like... Well, they do. They show you family trees. paper because it's so complicated. There were too many people, too many voices. And yeah, like you say, right at the beginning, um, our sort of way into this is Colby, her son. Um, and I have read somewhere, and I don't know whether it's true or not, um, but he's also been investigated for sex crimes as well. So he he was arrested on charges, but they were dropped. Oh, OK, fine. It's especially difficult with these documentaries where terrible things have happened to so many people and their reactions are not sympathetic perhaps you know mm. it's really hard to know where your heart lies and who is a reliable and who is an unreliable narrator um it worries me though that every nutter in the lds temple who's taking things too far uh, are writing a book or five <laughs> maybe don't <laughs> and, and then i also wrote down chad's not the messiah he's a very naughty boy <laughs> <laughs> no one comes out of this in a good light is what i'm saying and it it makes my empathy very hard to come by did you not feel for him for colby a bit i guess but and her mum who who had a really weird face <laughs> i don't think you're allowed to say that matt not like you she's not like a sultana did you not think though? Was that plastic surgery? Was it? Was I it... think maybe she lives in Florida and she's oh, okay. spent too much time in the sun. Oh yeah, okay. they're all from like Texas and Arizona, and that aren't they? Mm. Yeah, it's going to be sun damage, I think, yeah. over the years. Okay. No, but no, I felt, I did feel for for him. I think it is a lot. If you think about that, you know, being abused and then having to live through all this and being the only surviving child of this you know, this relationship. And as you both said, we haven't got a conclusion because it's gonna it's next year that I think the trial's gonna be in. But then maybe Netflix are gonna milk her, you know, Sins of Our Mother too. Mm. That's the thing, yeah. isn't it? So we'll do the build up in this one and we'll get even more subscriptions yeah. from the next one. I'm with you, Sarah. I was like furiously scribbling down stuff and, and when you come to think about and i i think maybe i wrote a whole page and i'm still no clearer about mm. what i actually watched and i think some of the talking heads that they pulled in had nothing to offer to the story as well i think you know the the guy who'd done like an evaluation of of chad at some point i, I didn't and some of these people who popped up and said oh yeah i was friends with one of them <laughs> uh but it's it's odd because yeah it's three episodes so we have to go at our pace but at the same time are we losing anything of the story? I think from what you're saying, Sarah, you know, we, we've seen things like this before and we've seen it done better. And it, I you think, know. yeah, I think the pacing was wrong. Mm. The very start of it, the sort of pre-credits felt chaotic. And I thought, hope this calms down. And it didn't. No. And that was the problem. If you've got an important story to tell, and I don't deny that it is an important story, tell it well. The people here, the survivors, even the bad guys, they deserve better. And I think you get a lot of the tropes as well visually. You know, you get the hastily cut together opening sequence of this is what you're going to get. The music in this was completely over the top throughout. It's just like 
signifying things that are going to come. Willem Brooke Blair, I believe, are the the musicians here, whether they're brother or sister or a couple, but they it's very it's all very sort of stereotypical stuff and yeah there's the body cam footage there's footage of laurie as a beauty queen and on wheel of fortune they've been through the archives they've found as much of these sort of real people as they can and and that's um a really interesting and quite spooky trend i think because the more we put of ourselves online the more we video ourselves the more selfies we take if we end up in something that's Netflix worthy, our real faces and voices are going to be used as almost like stock footage. Well, they might be coming to me for all these recordings that we have. <laughs> <laughs> don't make it. <laughs> don't, don't give it to them, Matt. <laughs> well, uh, thing I, I thought was really tacky and, and far, I mean, what's too far, but is that there are phone calls with Colby and his mother in prison where he's basically saying why did you do this and it's just awful like she's not going to say anything you're not going to get anything interesting out of this the fact he's allowing that to be recorded you know it feels distasteful to Mm. me I I suppose it's distasteful to the people who are now dead isn't it especially the fact that they're both you know the two children who've died one thing you didn't mention Sarah in all the stuff they were using text messages on screen which I know you're a massive fan I am a fan of that and and we didn't mention in Crossfire as well that they did your favourite thing of I like a bit of clarity I don't want to be looking (laughs) over your shoulder on a tiny screen while you read the message pop it like Sherlock style put it on you know I don't mind a bit of graphics I can cope with both yeah, in Crossfire, in the second episode, we see the text messages of the gunman in Spanish. En <laughs> español, por favor. And then you get the translation. I was like, you didn't didn't need to do that. We can assume they're speaking Spanish to each other. <laughs> I d- again, I think this is something that people probably will enjoy if you like this sort of thing. But again, it's not something that people you're going to particularly remember, I think. Mm. Um could have been done better in in a more insightful way it's clearly just a shock 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 and it is shocking but that's entirely because of the circumstances of the story rather than how netflix have put it together that's all up there on netflix now and now we go to the sort of the more comedic portion of the podcast so we obviously turn over to sarah kennedy for a bit of levity (laughs) Uh, we'll start with the minx which is all up on paramount plus now so Minx is a new comedy drama uh, written by Ellen Rappaport, starring Ophelia Loverbond. Do you remember Izzy from W1A? Bless her, here she is now. Um, and Jake Johnson, who's apparently best known for New Girl. It's a period piece about struggles with feminism, the idea of womanhood expanding, a culture clash, both very sassy leads, an uptight woman and a sleazy man where they both learn from each other and probably become best friends. Not to be reductive, but it did remind me quite a lot of Glow. But actually, that's no yeah, bad. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I wrote down. I wrote that in my notes. So Joyce is our strident feminist. She's obsessed with her baby, which is the Matriarchy Awakens magazine, which she's been putting together since well before college, I think. She's got very high standards. She's preachy. She's not much fun. She's snobbish. Um, She gets the opportunity to pitch her magazine to this guy, Doug, who's got 12 successful magazines. Unfortunately, though, he's a pornographer and she's not having any of that. 
Uh, do people enjoy your company? He asks. Not typically, she says. <laughs> uh, Doug also uh, is at pains to uh, point out that he's not illiterate. She's very surprised when the centrefolds of Asian asses uh, <laughs> read her magazine <laughs> and enjoy it and get Doug to go back to her and, and make a pitch. Um, so, of course, they do end up working together. But she's very school mom like. She likes to correct him. Uh, but I, I do. I like Doug, even though, you know, he is dishevelled and barely holding it together. It seems only by sort of help of his secretary does he he, uh, he keep going. I like him. And honestly, I think there's a T-shirt slogan right here when he says feminism, making shit fair and equal for the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind of feminism. So he is up for funding and publishing her feminist magazine, but there are going to be some artistic compromises. One, it's not going to be called The Matriarchy Awakens. Two, there's going to be naked men in it. So she's very prudish compared to Doug and all of his staff. The really fun part of the first episode is where they spend all day looking at dicks because they're casting for their centrefold. Joyce, of course, wants a guy who is intellectual, too, who can sell the philosophy of the magazine. Um, she has on and off trouble with her ex, Glenn, um, who she kicks to the curb very early on because he is he's also in magazines. But he says to her, I thought all this would have been out of your system by now. We could have have a happy life without your ambition. So, you know, fair play. She gets rid of him. Uh, but he hangs around. He causes her. He calls her a sellout. Uh, so she goes into a tailspin and uh, she and Doug are not seeing eye to eye. Um, and in that time, Cosmopolitan beats them to it with the first male centrefold, which is the famous picture of Burt Reynolds on a bearskin rug. Uh, so she's willing to go back to him. She calls him tacky, but she apologises and asks for another chance. I thought this was funny. It was sexy and it was thoughtful. It's talking about a period in the early 70s where there was genuine pioneering stuff happening in pushing the boundaries of what women can and should do. Um, and it's this is clearly all inspired by the radical social changes that took place. It looks great. It sounds great. Even the closing credits look fabulous. They're a riot of colour. Um, and I did notice with great pleasure um, that this is not only written by a woman, but also directed and exec produced by women as well. It's brilliant. Really enjoyed it. And spoilers, um, I'm already up to episode four. Me too. <laughs> Why? I, was gonna say, I, I thought Dawn would have beaten that. I thought Dawn might have just. I was very restrained. <laughs> got up to. Um, Dawn was very surprised by the title of episode seven, which was what Dawn. God save the Queen of Dicks. Yeah, we but... go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just watched that. I I did accidentally click on the, the final episode. I accidentally watched the first sort of two minutes of it and it was the most explicit thing I've ever seen on television. And I got very flustered and put it off. <laughs> this is sort of up your street, this, isn't it, Dawn? This not, is to, not to be disparaging about you, but the, t the sort of the tone and... This is why we need a magazine like Minx or The Matriarchy Awakens, because we shouldn't have to be flustered about these things. We Which should is. embrace it. The whole amazing gamut of being a woman. <laughs> I think the, the one thing I that you missed out there, Sarah, that I quite liked was the fact that she'd seen two and a half penises previously. <laughs> In low light. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, Joel, go on. No, I was just going to say, where, you, where you're suggesting I'm a bit Barbara Winsley, <laughs> which is, you know, I was well, like... I mean, you could possibly suggest some editorial changes to the custard TV to Luke if you want. I don't know. Well, you know, <laughs> to be clear, I was only shocked because it was on television. I was like, are they allowed to show this kind of thing? But yeah, I absolutely, I agree with everything Sarah said. I absolutely love this. The word that came to mind, and it seems odd given the, the subject matter, was delightful. It just felt so funny and smart and Everyone had good intentions, you know, and I mean, her sister, uh, Shelley, is, is brilliant. I love the sister. Normally, you would kind of expect this dour, disapproving sister. No, you know, but no, she's brilliant. She's funny and, and clever. I really love the relationship between Joyce and Doug and Tina, his secretary, right-hand woman. The woman behind the man, the, the brains behind it all, is, is a brilliant character. And it's just lovely. It's just, it made me laugh. In fact, I wrote down, it didn't just make me laugh, it made me cackle in a most unattractive fashion. You know, it, the, a lot of the lines are very memorable and, and sharp. You know, the, the sister says at one point, when she's in the, the office with uh, Bambi and the others in a later episode, they, she says to, the, to Bambi, uh, your life seems so fun. All I do with my mouth is yell. <laughs> <laughs> Is it March or April? Something? I think March. Yeah. April. yeah, you're right. I haven't. I heard any more about this. I've never heard of it. I mean, this is HBO Max who have bought some. You know, they hacks Julia. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But these like distinctive sort of female-led shows. But yeah, this seems to have just got lost a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah you're right. Actually, to mention Julia, it does feel like that. It's a similar era, and it's joyful i put julia down as well and i thought yeah. i won't mention that because that's a bit weird because <laughs> it's a <laughs> sort of well i don't think so it's it's about female desire isn't it only I, julia desired food really i bet she was a freak in the sheets as well <laughs> but, don't want to yeah, think no, about david it, high pierce like that so <laughs> it's it's joyful it's lovely to watch these sort of myths being dispelled, you know? Like, I'm very much the kind of person who always says, get yourself a woman who can do both. Yeah, have a <laughs> quiz about match the penis to the man, but also, you know, talk about feminism, talk about abortion, talk about whether women who stay at home should be paid a living wage, all of that stuff. You can do it all. Why not? You know, you both said their dynamic is absolutely brilliant, and I think mm -hmm. they were... It's it's very sort of old fashioned screwball comedy, which I think is the the tone that they were going for there. But I mean, you, you seemingly then Sarah weren't aware of Jake Johnson. No, yes, no. Um, I've seen bits of New Girl, and I, th I think I've seen him in other movies. But he is excellent here, and he sort of fits the nineteen seventy. You know, he's got a very sort of old fashionedness about him, which fits this like nineteen seventies pornography yeah, with all these it's, it's the wide lapels and doing business with shady guys in a bar he's mm. he's absolutely perfect for that yeah and and the little cut like i'm not going to meet you in a diner and then the next <laughs> scene they're in the diner i like it's just it, as you say it is very charming and it's it, an odd subject matter but it does really work and like you two glow was what i thought of i think it's the mm. relationship between mark Marin and alison brie in that you know yeah. the character that is 
very highbrow or thinks she, you know has got ideas that she is highbrow and things are above her and is sort of dragged down to sort of what she sees is below her but actually learns to love the new world that she's in um Ophelia Loverbond is so I I'm so glad that she's got something because she's often the support as you mentioned W1A also mm. feel good and trying you know she's done a lot of supporting the sort of posh girl best friend almost role that she's in and here she's got such a really good expressive face that she can you you tell exactly what she's feeling when she's showing this parade of genitalia in the in the first episode paramount plus is a really hard service to actually sort of track down it's a subscription service you get it free if you've got sky cinema i think this is the first thing that we've watched here that I would recommend from Paramount Plus. This is definitely the best thing that we've watched on on there. Um, and yeah, definitely recommend all, all around and we'll be watching the rest of this. So big thumbs up. Uh, and finally, uh, back to Sarah for a bit of Kunk. A nice bit of Kunk. <laughs> if you don't know who Kunk is already, I feel bad for you. Philomena Kunk is a character played by Diane Morgan, the incredible Diane Morgan, um, who came up through. It was Charlie Brooker's screen wipe, wasn't it? And she was a, one of her fake, the fake talking heads, thick as a brick, voice of the people. I think it's been entirely BBC, um, and she's had a couple of series now, hasn't she? And she started out spoofing all of those sort of stupid, pompous BBC um, presenter styles that come right down to the lens flare. Um, so this is Kunk on Earth, which is a weighty subject. Um, she's going to be talking about everything that humans have ever done right back from the very beginning of like early man and the Stone Age right up to now, right up to the Internet. Interestingly, I noted at the beginning that this is a BBC and Netflix co-production. Um, and that's, of course, because Broken Bones, which is Charlie Brooker's production company, was recently bought out by Netflix for big money. It's so silly and it's so laugh out loud that I find that the 15 minute slots work better. I thought, oh, this might this might drag a bit. It did not. From the beginning where she says to one of her incredulous experts, she says, so early man, were they made of the same meat as us? And he has to patiently tell her that they've only found bones, but they suspect. And, and did it have a brand name like <laughs> beef? <laughs> the bones look like ours, so we assume, yes, that they were made of the same meat as us. Um, it's still very good at, at sort of spoofing and skewering the BBC documentaries. Um, I liked the part where she was talking to camera as she was fighting her way through grass that was like as tall as her like getting in her face and stuff so the joy of kunk was always in these sort of very stuffy very dusty um academics um with the whole tweed jackets and you know, p patches on their elbows being absolutely baffled by this comedy creation um and believing that she was genuine i think perhaps or just being completely lost at the stupid questions that she asks. But I feel like maybe the experts are less funny now because surely by now, even people who really are sequestered away in their little lecture theatres and never ever even notice anything that's happening culturally, they've got to be aware now. I certainly can't believe that Jim Al-Khalili isn't in on the joke. 
are they choosing experts now based on whether they have a poker face or not? That's one thing I was questioning, whether the experts were in on the jokes. Famously, these sort of, you know, the Sasha Baron Cohen characters, the Dennis Pennis, you know, all of these, part of it is they're not in on the joke, but as you say, surely they would know. And and certainly with, like, British people, we, yeah. you know, we're more susceptible to irony than the Americans might be, you know, when Sasha Baron Cohen goes over there. One um, of my favourites was definitely Irving Finkel from the British Museum. He was wildly bearded, like just mm. covered in white hair. Um, he was lovely. And honestly, I think they could do a, a double act quite nicely. <laughs> um, I was also in bits when she explained how the wheel worked. There was something really strange that happened towards the end. When we watch her crumble, as she realises that Aristotle never said dance like nobody's watching. <laughs> it was just brilliant. She's just such a great actor she does so much with her face i think she's wonderful and you're sort of on her side because you can't deny the logic of kunk if there's a great wall of china then your follow-up question is is there a great roof of china the logic is all there it's silly tv but it it's it's kind of got something to say about culture and media and you know how we learn and and whether we do learn anything from programs like this i have to say i did think it got a bit repetitive towards the last 10 minutes i was really all the jokes that you've mentioned sarah i i was laughing at i i did like the um i'm in a cave not by mistake or because i'm a wolf um (laughs) for example was another one or the fact that she told one of the experts that there are no numbers after 700 after then the numbers repeat (laughs) um but yeah i just i think after a while you can only get sort of so far and then like the the sort of actually one of my favorite things was when she went to i'm presuming she actually went to egypt that's what yeah it looks like like they they have spent some travel budget money she just randomly was rolling down like a sandy hill (laughs) that's the sort of that's the uniqueness i think you know that you can't i think diane morgan's decision just what if i just do this now Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's i think what you what you get you know um but it's it's fun and funny but it's nothing you haven't seen before if you like the character then you'll like this and I was really questioning, are the experts playing along? Are they fully aware that they're in a comedy show and they're just saying, react to this as you as if you would it were an actual interview? And and I think the fact I was questioning that maybe spoiled it a little bit for me. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I was feeling it was a bit drawn out. For me, it's always like divided into two. The stuff she does to camera, I think, is hilarious. It's like, you know, there are so many quotable bits. I don't enjoy the stuff with the experts. And I don't know, part of it I know is me and my empathetic cringe. <laughs> it's, it's so funny, I can see your shoulders going up. I, I too really hate cringe comedy. And you're right, it's not, yeah. the, it's not what I go to this show for. One of the things I found interesting was there was a lot of writers, I think there were seven writers, all men, and there was only additional uh, material from Diane Morgan, which is, I'm assuming, is the stuff she's improvising with the, the expert. And I thought, well, that's a shame. I would have liked to have known that Diane Morgan was more involved in the writing of this. 
But yeah, to me, I would just be absolutely in heaven. 15 minutes of Philomena Crunk speaking to camera and I don't need the interview bit. I like when those kind of spoof interviews are done to really poke fun at people who deserve it. And I just don't know what they're trying to say about these experts beyond what you said about, you know, how do we learn? Um, and I'm sure if they are in universities, they do get questions for that stupid problem. Oh, definitely. I work with academics and <laughs> to a degree I work with students as well. So I'm absolutely sure, certainly in the first term, they get some really stupid questions. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I don't like cringe comedy. Not that I don't approve of it or anything. It's just for me, I just don't enjoy mm. it. So I, I don't really enjoy that part. But I could watch Philomena Kunk as a talking head forever. Yeah. Funnily enough, we were speaking about Kunk uh, the week before this with a, a friend of ours, and um, he's quite um, he's not going to listen. I could say he's quite a pompous person, <laughs> and he was saying, "No, Kunk's not good anymore. Now they've made it full length episode. It's not good." So I'm really quite annoyed to have to say he's right. <laughs> oh, how annoying! <laughs> Okay, and that is all. I believe it's all up on the iPlayer now. It starts on uh, on Tuesday nights at ten o'clock on BBC Two. Uh, so that's another podcast done and dusted. Thank you very much to Sarah and Dawn for joining us. Do you want to just give us your twitters and your where we can find your podcast, Dawn, as well? I uh, my Twitter is Dawn Glenn Two, Glenn with one N, uh, and uh, the Shipyard is the Shipyard USD. You can find us on YouTube and Spotify and all of these usual places and our t- uh, website is tvshipyard.com Sarah. and I feel like I can't say anything after that because <laughs> I don't have a million things to talk about I'm just <laughs> at Sarah Hamstera on Twitter for salacious gossip cue watching and um <laughs> And, and, and find, a bit find out what chat. your next hair colour will be maybe as well maybe yeah oh maybe I should do it as a Twitter poll <laughs> <laughs> leave it in the hands of the people I'm at Matt's TV Bites, Luke at Luke Custard TV and the uh, podcast at Custard TV Pod. We will be back uh, same time next week with reviews of one show we were going to do this week, unfortunately. Am I being unreasonable, which Dawn has already watched, is going <laughs> to be, um, is, has been delayed by a week. And also Inside Man with uh, David Tennant and Stanley Tucci, I believe, is in that as well. So... That will be next time, but thank you for listening to the Custard TV podcast and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.